Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloane, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender. And I'm Janika, your guest tender. Woo woo! Today we're bringing you the story of Susan Bright. I'm not familiar with this case, so let's dive into it. to another bartending round with Sloan. This week we are doing our last week of moonshine, for now at least, until we buy more moonshine. Right. So today I'm going to talk about Old Smokey's Mountain Java. To us it was kind of like a white Russian. I think it's more of a white chocolate. So debatable. Either way, this is a really good one. It's very smooth. It's another like sipping cream sort of one. If you just pour it over ice or you can mix it with milk or coffee. If you wanted to stretch it, hot chocolate would be delicious. Yes. So those are all great options. Um, But we highly suggest the whole, the Old Smoky Mountain Java if you haven't tried it. Once again, this is one of those that if you like go to Tennessee and you go to a distillery, they tend to give this one out as a sample because it's a very popular one. It's so good. I love anything coffee. So to me, I literally tried it and was like, eh, I'm buying that. I did not wait on that one like I did the Sugarland dark chocolate coffee. And then they were out of the dark chocolate coffee. And now they have it around us all the time. But highly suggest if you want to try it, this is definitely one that's good to add to anything or just sip alone. And we'll kick you off to the case. Susan Lucille Wright was born on April 24th, 1976 in Houston, Texas. The day after my birthday. Many years before. My mom's birthday. (laughs) I literally was writing it down went. At the age of 17, she worked as a topless dancer at Gold Cup for two months in 1997 while working as a waitress in Galveston. I can never say that. Galveston, Texas. (laughs) She met Jeff Wright. They married in 98 when she was eight and a half months pregnant with their first son, Bradley. Jumping off. (laughs) Uh, I was like oh eight and a half months you literally met you were like walking into the hospital (laughs) (laughs) hey you want my number oh geez can I have your number in 2002 they had a daughter named Kaylee and everybody they just seemed like the happily married couple But Susan claims that Jeff began abusing her during the first few years of their marriage and used illegal substances. Susan and Jeff acted like the happy family, participating in neighborhood get-togethers and having people over and everything. Never made it look like there was anything going on behind closed doors. They lived in the White Oak Bend subdivision in 
unincorporated Northwest Harris County, Texas. Um, behind closed doors, according to Susan, they often fought and Jeff was very verbally abusive and then became physically abusive. And then on January 13th, 2003, Susan, at the age of 26, tied her husband Jeff, who was 34, to their bed and stabbed him 193 times with two different knives. <laughs> I was like, that, that's um, overkill. A lot. She must have said him up. <laughs> <laughs> so not only did she stab him 193 times, she then dragged his body to their backyard and buried him in a hole that Jeff had dug for a fountain. Nah, she had him dig that hole in preparation <laughs> for his body. Oh, I was like, because when I was first reading this, I was like, they, the one article was like, yeah, she sat and then she drug him to the backyard and buried him back there. And I was like, this bitch stabbed this man, drug him to the backyard, made a hole. And, and then it popped up that he had made one for a fountain. I went. This is a setup. <laughs> I wonder how she did. She put on some lingerie or something and tried to be sexy. <laughs> uh, who knows? I mean, they was into some weird stuff already <laughs> if he allowed himself to get tied I up. mean, they did say that they found candle wax dropped onto Jeff's um, lower bits. <laughs> oh, she was trying to get him. She probably was torturing that man after she even yeah. And then then she began stabbing him. The first stab wound. Just I like already thinking of being waxed and like having yeah. uh, uh, right? Oh like candle wax at mm. that hot candle. Oh mm -hmm. gosh, no. So the first stab wound was believed to have been to his eye. God damn. Yeah. I was like, ugh. She stabbed him over and over, and she stopped at first because their son Bradley awoke and knocked on the door. Susan got up, put on a robe, and put him back to bed. And then she came back, and that's when they believe she grabbed the second knife and then started stabbing Jeff again until he died. Jeff had suffered 41 stab wounds to the face. 23 to the neck, 46 to the chest, 22 wounds to the abdomen, 19 to his legs, 23 to his arms, 1 to his back, and 7 to his pubic area. And she said the 7 is significant to all the times he made her have sex that she didn't want to. She could have said she had a headache or something. <laughs> I was like... I mean, I get it, but like, some you do have the times that you know. You start an argument like I do. <laughs> you have the times that you know in marriage that you have like the people that come out and say, "Yeah, he forced me when I didn't want to." 
It's like, I get that. But most people just are like, let's get a divorce. Let's not, let's not stab him 193 times. So it was something else going on there. I mean, <laughs> they get any confirmation of these beads? Ugh. No, I don't know. But the stabbing was said to have been so forceful that the tip of one of the knives broke off in his skull. He got stabbed four two times to the face. Yeah, right. What, what the fuck his face look like? Uh, I don't want to know. <laughs> Cause that, I mean, because after that, after a certain there's time, like no face much. left. Pretty much. There ain't no body left. Uh, I mean, she disintegrated that night. So, like, after she buried him in the backyard and that, she attempted to clean up the crime by painting the one wall that there was a bunch of blood spatter on and then cutting out a piece of the bloody carpet. The next day, she went to the police station and reported a domestic abuse incident and obtained a restraining order against Jeff. Has she not already killed a dude? <laughs> after he's and buried in the backyard. Yeah. Which was her way of explaining his absence slash disappearance. Five days later, on January 18th, Susan called her attorney, Neil Davis, and asked him to come over to her house after the family dog had dug up Jeff's body. Oh, <laughs> I was like, that would fucking be Kodak. <laughs> that, would be, that would be my dog, Kodak. So I'm just like they said that it reminds me of Cruella. Right. They said that the whole damn thing. <laughs> they said that when the dog dug up a body that was like a breaking point for her, she had like the nervous breakdown, so that's when she well, called she the attorney. That's when she had the nervous breakdown. Apparently. So when <laughs> when Neil Davis came over she admitted to stabbing her husband and burying him in the backyard. Which I want to know what your response would be as the lawyer. Because I think I'd be like, oh shit. And then be like, is she going to kill me? Not that I know. I still have to represent this bitch. <laughs> He's a lawyer. I think he was like, okay, no problem. <laughs> like, oh, I was just like, I don't even know. I'd be like, you did what? But like, also, do you think he was expecting the degree of which she stabbed him? No. <laughs> He's probably like, no. all right, couple stab wounds, cool. None of us expected <laughs> the amount of time she stabbed him. Uh, but yeah, I was just like... I mean, she must really been going through some things. I mean, at a certain point in time, he had to black out. You would think. I don't know. I know she I got that. tired. I know she had to take a break in between. You trying to stand somebody? Not if that adrenaline's pumping. I had to take a break. If that adrenaline's going, you don't. I got my ass whooped before in fights because my adrenaline stopped pumping. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know I'm Sometimes it doesn't stop pumping. Yeah. The person beating your ass didn't stop pumping. Shit. That shit. They didn't. <laughs> well, mine, 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 mine. <laughs> Uh, so Davis obviously had to inform 
the Harris County District Attorney's Office of the body and that Susan had confessed to the crime. When police searched the house, they found the fresh paint, the missing carpet. They also found that the bloody mattress, box springs, comforter, and headboard were had been drug out to the backyard as well. Hmm. Suspicious. Right. She had time to do all that. I mean, it was five days. A she nervous breakdown. And she did all that, but the dog threw her over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my problem. Uh, Kill my husband. It's fine, but the dog did nothing about it. I'm losing my shit. <laughs> I dug the hole. Well, no, he dug the hole. But I buried it. I took everything out to the backyard. But the dog. The right. Dog. I was like, you didn't bury that man deep enough with that dog digging it up. He wasn't digging that way up deep enough. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -mm. Uh, So on January 24th, Susan turned herself in at the Harris County Courthouse where she was arraigned for the murder charge the following Monday. 13 months later, on February 5th, 24th, 2004, the trial began. Susan pled not guilty to killing her husband by reason of self-defense. So, obviously, the prosecutor had a very different view. I would assume so. Assistant DA Kelly Siegler, I think is how the last name is said, depicted Susan as the scheming wife that seduced her husband into bed Mm-hmm. She then tied him up and repeatedly mm-hmm. stabbed him and then buried him in the backyard. Put on some sexy clothes, <laughs> premeditated it, tied him up, trying to give him a little sexy time, and then well, she probably pulled a knife on her titty. <laughs> she claimed that this was in hopes of collecting a $200,000 life insurance policy. Break. Once again... People don't understand how life it's insurance It's so little policy. amount. And it's su- such a little amount. Yeah. Ain't you going to look suspicious when you don't bury your husband? Yeah. It's just... <laughs> Susan's defense attorney, Neil Davis, claimed Susan had suffered for years at the hands of Jeff. He claimed she suffered both physical and emotional abuse from Jeff. And he like killed him to protect herself and her two young children. Likely story. Right. But, I mean, she literally stabbed the man 193 times. The lawyer's got to throw out whatever he can. Yeah. <laughs> throw the two children in as, like, a... Hail Mary. Right. That, that lawyer probably did <laughs> a lot Mary. of drinking trying to defend that lady. I'm telling you. Um, I'm doing a lot of drinking hearing about this lady. I'm sure the lawyer drank a lot defending that lady. So the thing that really got me was the fact that she claims that, you know, this abuse happened for years, but there's never any police report or anything like no neighbors or family ever called, said anything. She never did anything until she had killed him and then went and filed the report. But she could have been scared. I mean, yeah, know, but, but hey, oh, it looks suspicious. Ain't that much scary in the world. 
If ain't nobody seen her with a black eye once, I don't believe. Yeah. It's somebody had enough song. But she was getting beat like that, abused like that. How old was the children? Um what this was all in like what year did he get? Uh, 2003, so the daughter would have maybe have been a year old, oh. and the little boy would have been about four. Well, that age, they really can't yeah. say nothing, I guess, but it was just very, yeah, suspicious. But yeah, it's just, it's like... So, she might have been abused, just waiting for her time to strike. Yeah. It's just, it was just, it's was just one of those things that's like, wait, you, you claim all this. Yeah, she was claiming But there's people. never, you know, there's no reporting or anything. You don't have family that speaks up or anything. Somebody would have seen you with a black eye. In all that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or at least, not even necessarily a black eye, but something. Yeah. I noticed something, notice you yeah. different. So at her trial, Susan testified in her own defense on the stand. An emotional Susan said, I couldn't stop stabbing him. I couldn't stop. I knew as soon as I stopped, he was going to get the knife back and he was going to kill me. I didn't want to die. Susan claimed that on that night, Jeff was on a cocaine binge and was violent and she claimed he beat her. She once again claimed she attacked him in self-defense, and Susan's mother and others testified that they witnessed the bruises. Again, if you witnessed them, why did you never say anything? Even if you don't want to be the snitch, sometimes it's worth it to be the snitch. Right? So, I'm just not feeling no man beat over me. Yeah. So... The prosecution said Susan's tears were fake and it was her way of trying to sway the jury. You don't say. The prosecution brought in the Wright's bed to the courtroom and demonstrated the murder, which I have in an article. I'll post it in the show notes. Like always, it's the ABC 13 one. You can literally watch the reenactment. It's like the strangest thing. They put like a tarp over the bed so that they don't compromise any of the blood that's still on the mattress. <laughs> you have a man that is literally like spread eagle, like hands up and that. And then the lawyer <laughs> is literally straddling him and is like doing downward like stabbing motions. I'm like... I was like, are you, what? This is, this is the weirdest thing. I don't know if I could even like watch without feeling uncomfortable. I probably would laugh. I probably would be like, what the is going on? What is going on? During closing arguments, prosecution brought up that Susan was a topless dancer and that she believed Susan's emotions to be insincere. She went on to say that Susan was caught red-handed 
There was no doubt about it. And she was confirmed documented liar and that her emotions were in effort to influence the jury. On May 3rd, 2004, after more than five hours of deliberation, the jury convicted Susan of murder. She showed little reaction to the conviction. It's usually what serial killers do. <laughs> she was sentenced the following day. Pros- prosecution helped for at least 55 years while the defense asked for probation. Susan was sentenced to 25 years in prison. She did try to appeal in 2005, and the 14th Court of Appeals of Texas upheld the conviction. And then in 2008, there was a reappeal, and a new witness, Misty McMichael, was called. Misty is the wife of former Super Bowl champion Steve McMichael, but she is also the ex-fiance of Jeff. And she testified that during their four-year relationship, he was abusive and violent. So, so maybe maybe a track right. record. I just don't get it. Yeah. So abusive and violent. Make a record, make a track, a song. Right. Go to the police. I just, ooh. Ooh. Somebody raised their voice up at me, and I'm just like, you got to go. In 2009, Susan was granted by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals a new sentencing hearing on grounds that her counsel rendered ineffective. Yeah, ineffective assistance during the punishment phase of the trial. According to evidence that was looked at during the 2010 punishment trial, showed that the prosecution's theory that Jeff was tied to the bed was not supported by a medical by a medical examiner's ex of it, like basically re-exhuming of the body and right. looking at it. The medical examiner said that Jeff had a significant amount of cocaine in his system, so much that the body hadn't metabolized all of it, even after all this time. <laughs> That's what you would think. Um, That's probably why she had stabbed so many times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Right. The evidence supported the story of Jeff coming home intoxicated and this article that I found this in claims that he punched his son, which could also make her snap, right. possibly, too. But, I like, that's the only article I found that brought up. that. Yeah. I guess you gotta look at the... I mean... Yeah. If, he was, if he was abusing her, like she said, and then she killed him, Yeah. look what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what she, she buried the body. Yeah, <laughs> she buried the body. She was still like knowing she I mean, knew what she was doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if if you had to go to a point where you stabbed him and he did all that, you can't come in and start a beating you. You had to kill. You called the police at that point. Yeah. After a certain point, it's just yeah. The medical examiner examiner also said that Jeff had several stab wounds on his hands, forearms, and back and the back of his legs making him being tied up to be inconsistent but 
depending on how tightly and just however she's stabbing. I, I mean, if he had him to the back of his legs, that is kind of weird. I mean, unless he's like really moving and But she away. did take him out to the yard. If she rolled him over, maybe she that stabbed she, him in the back. Him over and stabbed yeah. Him some more. yeah. She, she should have <laughs> Would have been a lot easier on her life. Right. On November 20th, 2010, Susan's sentence was reduced to 20 years instead of 25. She was... Wow. Right? <laughs> she was first <laughs> eligible for parole on February 28th, 2014 at the age of 38. She was denied parole then and then again in... June 2014, and then July 2017. On July 2nd, 2020, she was finally approved for parole, and on December 30th, 2020, Susan was released on parole at the age of 44. Susan will have to be under super intensive supervision until 2024. She has to attend anger management counseling and wear a GPS monitor. Uh, Susan and Jeff's children have been raised by Jeff's family. That seems a little wrong. It's kind of. Yeah. Mama murders a daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no explanation as to why that is. I couldn't find it in anything that I searched, but they could also be trying to keep the kids out of it because of how young they were. Um, so Susan's family on the eve of her release wrote in a text, I think she has paid her debt to society and deserves a second chance. And Susan's case has been featured on a few different shows. She was on a part of Deadly Women, which I did watch. I love that and Lifetime actually did make a movie. Shocking. I remember watching this movie, too. It's called The Blue-Eyed Butcher. It was released in 2012. And the movie starred Sarah Paxton as Susan Wright. And I do remember this movie because it was about the same time that they made the Jodie... Uh, Foster? No, Avra... The, the one chick that stabbed her... Boyfriend or fiance? Do we talk about it? Uh, Jody. No, uh, I know who you're talking about. I know her first name is Jody, and the last name starts with an A. But yeah, she. <laughs> they made it about the same time. It was like a whole like thing almost. Jody Arias. Yes, I want to say it was around that same time that this came out, and I was like. But, yeah, I remember even watching that movie and being like, this bitch is crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But many years later, that's still what we're thinking. <laughs> but that, that's the case. She's out of jail, but she is heavily watched on parole. I'm thankful that she's heavily watched. And I'm sure she I don't probably think, can't see her kids. I don't think she should be out on parole. No. But I guess at least she's heavily watched. Hopefully. Right. But like I said once I started getting into this, I was like, oh, I remember this case. 
And then as I was going back in, I was like, oh, I forgot how crazy this was. The fact that 193 stab wounds and two different knives. Yeah. And then you, you went really, self-defense. You really followed through on <laughs> not self-defense. <laughs> right? Like a knife in one team and one another. <laughs> 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 and the fact that, like, the, the son woke up Came and knocked on the door. Yeah. And she gets up, acts like nothing's wrong, puts him back to bed, and then comes back and finishes the job. I'm like, what? That's, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> she was one of those who fires mentally. Oh, Obviously. She had a break. <laughs> she had something. <laughs> but I guess I'll kick you off to the last call. Welcome back to another Last Call with Sloan. Today we're going to talk about 20 weird laws in Alabama. Oh, Lord. Number one, it is illegal to impersonate a priest. The church is something taken very serious in Alabama, believe it or not. I mean, it's Bible built. That goes my Halloween costume. (laughs) (laughs) Many laws on the books prohibit you from doing several things while in in a sanctuary, one of the most egregious offenses is in, that's a lot of big words. One of the most big egregious yeah, <laughs> offenses is impersonating a priest. Uh, this includes wearing items that one might mistake as a religious garb. This law not only extends to priests, but also nuns and rabbis. If you get caught trying to pass yourself off as one of these people, you may receive a $500 fine and jail time up to one year. So if you think that's worth it, go ahead and dress up as a priest, Janika. <laughs> Number two, I found this one out recently, and I did not know this, but you cannot wear high heels in Mobile. Yeah, I've heard that, and I don't think they really enforce it. They don't enforce it. It was a law that was created because somebody, like, fell at a crosswalk because of their high heels, so it's a safety thing. So, like, if you're wearing high heels downtown, you're not going to be ticketed for it. But if you try to sue the city because of an injury because you're wearing high heels, they can pull that law out. And I did like, fall in my high heel boots over there by the convention center with that train thing. What, what, what the yeah. train train said? I fell. Yeah, you weren't supposed to be wearing those. So <laughs> They were boots, not uh, high heels. Did they have heels on them? Not high heels. Did they have heels on them? Not high. No, gosh, <laughs> uh, Number three, it's illegal to tie an alligator to a fire hydrant. Where do we get alligators from? Come on. <laughs> who, let their, who let their cousin from Louisiana come visit? Okay. This ain't Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Even though cats and dogs are the most popular pets worldwide, people prefer more exotic pets like big cats and reptiles. Some people are known to take their alligators on walks like they are dogs. That's fine even if you're in Alabama, but if you need to make a quick run to the store, you better take them home first. Let me tell you, I've never seen an alligator on a leash around here. Uh, thank God I have not. <laughs> thank God. Number four, Alabama's confusing mask law. This law became a little bit tricky during the pandemic, but wearing masks in Alabama is illegal. However, during the pandemic, there was a state mandate to wear a mask, so Alabama went so far as to tell people to disregard the original law for public safety 
Even though the mask mandates no longer exist, both directives remain on the books. So it looks like one cancels out the other and you're free to wear a mask or not, depending on your mood. Five, you will be prosecuted for sleeping with a virgin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Um. <laughs> Women's virtues are safe in Alabama. There are some marriages the state is lax on. They are also very rigid about other things. One of those is men who decide to bet a virgin. This law doesn't take age or marital status into account. However, however it is definitely ab about the amount of jail time five years. So it's best to not even hold hands just in case you start to think about doing things after. Oh, my God. <laughs> Number six, flicking your boogers is illegal. Uh, There's a lot of toddlers going to be going to jail. I would really hope that it didn't have to be a law, but it is. Sometimes I hope my nostrils are closed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is that illegal? I guess so, Janika. We're calling the cops. I didn't flick it though. I'm blowing. <laughs> We're calling the cops on your nasty ass. Number seven. Throwing salt can lead to execution. There's an old wives' tale that dictates you throw spilled salt over your left shoulder or else you'll have bad luck. You'll have a worse fate if you try that in Alabama near a railroad track. The law once had a practical purpose. At one time, Alabama was an so open-range state, which meant that livestock had free range to go wherever they pleased. The powers that be wanted to make sure everyone was accountable for their safety, including railroad companies. The state felt that throwing salt on the tracks would encourage animals to cross onto the tracks, leaving them vulnerable to be hit. To help with the problem, they made the practice of throwing salts on track not only illegal, but punishable by death. Well. Number eight. You can't catcall a woman. And let them know because Mobile, Alabama specifically prohibits anyone from catcalling a woman on its streets. At one time, many people in the city were military. Mobile wanted to protect the reputation of its female citizens and ban the behavior since they felt it embarrassed women. So, I love yes. that it's because of the military. <laughs> I love that it's specific to Mobile. Right. Number nine, you can be prosecuted for self-mutilation to get someone's attention. Who is doing this? Uh, some people classify piercings as self-mutilation. So, like, getting your ears pierced. Somebody at work said they had a, a what you call them, thing? a St. Albert or a Prince, Prince Albert. Prince Albert. That's nasty. <laughs> hey. Hey. I got my girls pierced. It's fine. Hey, you nasty. You nasty. <laughs> you nasty. Ten. <laughs> confetti is illegal in Mobile. I did know that one. Yeah. How is that illegal? Uh, confetti is one of those things that's fun for approximately 30 seconds. Like glitter, it seems like a good idea. Then it gets stuck on everything and you find it days later in the most inopportune locations. Indeed. Those I who... I the confetti on my little daughter, Kate. Karen, it was all in her hair. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, wait. 
those who want a good excuse never to use it and enjoy a good reason to forbid people around you from using it as well may want to move to Mobile. The city is strict with the product and doesn't allow possession, manufacture, or sale of tiny pieces of paper. I'm finna go to the I was gonna say, there. I'm finna go to Barnes. There's buy some confetti. I am, and I'm gonna spray it everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Number eleven. Don't hold hands in a public restaurant. Uh, most people, many people like public displays of of infection, of affection, not infection. Infection <laughs> of okay. affection. Others think it's not a polite to show how much you care about someone in public and keep quieter moments between couples. Those who wish to keep their relationship with their partner subtle might not mind this Alabama law. It's illegal for dating couples to hold hands while eating in a restaurant. Unfortunately, this probably means one milkshake and two straws won't be on the menu either. So it says dating couples. So like if you're married, I guess you can. I don't know. Right? I'm like, um, this clearly is not. Okay, I don't like to hold hands anyway. So right? That's gay. <laughs> 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 Number 12, loving a porcupine. Porcupine will get you jail time. Even though it may sound like a southern stereotype to Yankees up north, Alabama, Alabama has laws that prevent perse persecution for anyone who wants to marry <laughs> yeah, a cousin. I was like, where are we going with this? It's a great question. However, there is one animal in Alabama you'll want to stay away from, the porcupine. Most people would shy away from the idea that these creatures would make an ex excellent life partner. However, Alabama wants to make sure, so they wrote a law that explicitly forbids getting involved with one. I don't understand. I ain't never seen no porcupine in Alabama. I see armadillo. Yeah, oh, but yeah. still, the fact that they had to make a law that you cannot be with a freaking animal. How you gonna get with a porcupine? You gotta pick it up. <laughs> I, you. Like whenever I lived outside of Jackson, I saw porcupines, but like I've lived north and south of there and I have not seen them in either places. So I can see somewhere in middle Alabama having that part. I'm going to go find a porcupine <laughs> and I'm going to walk all downtown with it. Oh, oh, good God. <laughs> oh, Lord. Like this bay. I should not have done this as my last call. <laughs> Number 13, you can't drive blindfolded. Once again, why did Dang, that have to be that made? On my night. Why did that have to be made a law? Number 14, playing dominoes on Sunday is illegal. Only on Sunday. Only on Sunday. Only on Sunday. If you get caught, you may spend three months in jail. <laughs> Who lost on for dominoes? Who lost to dominoes and said no? Nah. Dominoes. We ain't doing this. I'm playing dominoes this Sunday. Oh, good God. And post it on Facebook. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> 15. Bear wrestling is illegal. Uh, you wrestle a bear every day. <laughs> I do. My dog is a bear. My dog is a bear. 16. Driving on the wrong side of the road is legal. What? Everyone has strong feelings. Stop it. It's all tonight. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Everyone has strong feelings about people who violate the rules of the road. Additionally, people feel comfortable expressing their thoughts in colorful language about their fellow drivers from the privacy of their vehicles. Yet, if you're in Alabama and see someone driving the wrong way down a street, you may think it's illegal, but they won't get any trouble as long as they have a lantern attached to the front of their vehicle. Oh, <laughs> yeah, an antique lamp. Open. <laughs> 
So just go get a lantern first. Yeah, I got it. I'm gonna go get one. Lord. <laughs> 17. You can't put ice cream in your back pocket. I've heard this one before. Sorry, yeah. my phone gonna look like an angler fish. <laughs> Do whatever you want to, baby. Just make sure you have this shit on lock so they don't arrest you. But you can't put ice cream in the back of your pocket to keep, like, horses Yeah, and it was stuff a way from, for people yeah. to steal horses back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's where these rules from the 1700s. Yes, pretty much. 18, wearing a mustache in church is illegal. Oh. Sinners. Uh-huh. Number 19, you can't open an umbrella on a sidewalk in Montgomery, Alabama. And lastly, silly string is illegal in Alabama. It's considered a concealed weapon. Well, <laughs> Walmart sell the Spider-Man string that you can shoot. Y'all got kids. I got kids, so I shoot, shoot. The Spider-Man string, they sell Now, it. whenever your kids do that, you can say, hey, that's, that's an offense. <laughs> I can call the cops on you right now. No, I mean, I can beat them up. And they'll arrest you. <laughs> Le- legal. You are on air right now, mm-hmm. ma'am. It's illegal. They conceal with my own children. Oh, Lord. All right. So that is our last call for this episode. We hope you enjoyed all of this. You can hit us up on our socials. We have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. They're all tequila she wrote across the board. You can also email us with any case suggestions, drink recipes, anything like that. Tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon for as little as $2 a month. You get ad-free episodes and you get a bonus episode. And then if you join some of the other tiers, you get even more bonus content. We do have some merch over there as well. Easiest way to find that is by going to our socials to our link tree and you'll get a direct link to it. Or you can go to patreon.com backslash. We can never say this word. Backslash. backslash. I'm like, what is that? Backslash tequila she wrote. And it should bring you directly to the page. But thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. <laughs>